You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Good morning, everybody. My name is Dusty. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, This passage we're going to be talking about today in Acts 2 I'm not, I don't have anything to back this up, but I, if I was going to go back and try to catalog you know, passages that I've taught on maybe the most in our, gosh, it's almost 14 years at Redeemer, that, um, that I think that Acts 2 might be at the, at the top on which ones I've talked about the most, because I think it's just so unique. Here's how I want to frame what it is, is that, that I don't think this passage says everything about what it means to be the church together and what even the church is. I don't think it says everything that you do. I don't think it has every content uh, point about what, what's taught and everything that happens. But, um, but I do think that it's, it's got a lot to it. And the way I'd like to frame it is, to me, this is like Peter's Instagram feed is one way to think about it, all right? So he's got a story that he put up going, hey, whoa, there's a new thing called the church that just happened here. And what had happened right before this is that Jesus had been you know, taught, lived a perfect life, and then um, was, was killed on the cross and then was resurrected from the dead, hung out for a little while with, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of, of his disciples. And, you know, if you're around then, you could be like, is Jesus really around? Oh yeah, he's right over there. He's with Bobby, you know, and they could go over there and see him and, and he hung out. And then he was ascended and he ascended to the father and um, gave a few instructions. Really what the book of Acts that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks is uh, it's the story of how uh, the gospel message and even the church, how it went from a bunch of uh, scared people in Jerusalem, how it goes from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So that's the, that's the storyline of how does that happen, or at least that process, the ball get rolling on that. That's the book of Acts. And so um, that's, that's really where you pick up right here and think of it like this Instagram feed where there's three components of the story, you know, how to like kind of move from one picture to the next. And it's like, what was this church doing? What were they about? And I think that if we go back to the very beginning, it'll help us figure out like what we're supposed to be together. And, um, and I think in a helpful way. So, and I think part of the reason it'll be helpful is that I just think we're somewhere whether you're, you're a Christian or not, you're somewhere between confused and hurt by the church, somewhere on that spectrum. Uh, very few of us have like a healthy understanding of, of what we're designed to be uh, from the Bible, what, what we're designed to be together. And we're confused and, or even somewhere hurt on that. So, um, you know, th- there are parts even where we capture an element of what we're supposed to be together. Like for some of us are like, well, I think it's a, you know, it's a service that you attend and um, it's a, uh, you know, a classroom setting where you learn some, some facts about the Bible uh, to others. It's, no, I don't know about that, but I, I think it's especially a place to meet people um, where maybe you, you meet people that you uh, could be friends with and, uh, or even, you know, do business with or somebody to date and things like that. Right. That's how a lot of people might look at the at the church. And I'd say there's an element of of some good things to everything I just said, even an element to several of those that it'd be biblical to have friends and biblical to to gather together and biblical to learn things and certainly be nice to to meet somebody cool that you might date. Sure. Okay, fine. Uh, But like, is this define us? Is this the, the core of what we're supposed to be together? So there's some confusion. Right. But then for some of us, it goes beyond confusion. Some of us have really been hurt by the church. And like, I, I, I don't know what all of you have been through, uh, but it could be some of us might have been even like, God forbid, even abused by a spiritual leader in the past. And like, I'm just trying to like, I feel for you. I honestly can't imagine what it would be like to try to make sense of your spiritual life 
if someone that was supposed to be a shepherd looking out for you like harmed you. I, I really actually can't imagine that. And I'm so sorry if you've gone through something like that. Or um, it's also possible that some of you have been through a lot of real challenging periods too where maybe there was a really destructive leader at a church that was manipulative and um, narcissistic, difficult to handle. And there were some real damaging things that you saw and you experienced, like just kind of power dynamics that were really unhealthy. So some of you have experienced some of these kinds of things in the life of the church together. Um, on top of that, um, some of you carry just a church hurt, um, kind of a broad church hurt, hurt where there was some conflict with people. Um, now, I, what I would say about that is, first of all, I don't think on, if you get out of the abuse category that I would like to, I think I could put my church hurt up with anybody in this room. Like if you just want to go, oh yeah, well, let me tell you something crazy I saw. At this point, 27 years in, I'm not saying I've seen everything, but I've seen I've seen a lot, all right? And um, I have been hurt over the years. And, uh, you know, loads of people have left the church. There have been things like that that have happened. And I'm sure I've done a fair amount of hurting, too. That's just the reality. And just to say this out loud, um, a lot of times when I talk to people about church hurt, when you really start talking about it, what you realize is that it was probably a two-way street of conflict. And so I think it's just really important to say that if you've had some conflict that led to like a real weird thing happening with Christians, and um, that, that I, I think it'd be really hasty for you to say, well, I, I ain't doing all that because I've been hurt before, uh, that the reality is you've done some hurting too. And um, there's something really beautiful when we look at this Instagram feed here in a second that I think are really going to help us today and help us just to recover what we can be with our wounds, with our confusion that I'm sure are real. But there's something really beautiful here that I think God's calling us to. And again, even if you're, you're not a Christian, I'm not trying to talk you out of, of some of your pain and frustration with Christians. I'm actually not going to try to do that. I know we're a crazy lot. I get it. Uh, but there's this really beautiful reality of grace embedded with all of our craziness that I'm hoping will really come out today um, in a helpful way, I hope. So let me just pick up. Um, I'm going to pick up in verses 37 and 38 that Peter, uh, before we kind of look at his feed, um, I want you to see what it is that he's been saying. So he's been preaching the sermon about Jesus and it really kind of all concludes and about Jesus's death and resurrection and verse 37. It says, now when they heard this, there's this big crowd, by the way, really diverse. You had a lot of different, not only ethnicities of people that were connected to the Jewish religion, but even politically, you, you would have had separatists in the crowd that wanted to break away from the Roman government. You would have had uh, people that were kind of pro-Roman to a point of even being collaborators. Even among Jesus's 12, he had disciples that had different political perspectives. So it was a very diverse crowd in that way. Um, and they, 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 that's who they would have been, heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to people, Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so these people were cut to the heart, and it gets me excited to think about that that could even happen today. Like, who is it through the singing, through, uh, through the teaching of the Bible today, that who is it that's going to be sitting here today, and it's going to be cut to the heart and think, dang it, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to be one of these crazy people. And now um, that my heart's been changed, like even on the spot, um, like that, now, but what do I do? So you're cut to the heart. And that's what they ask the question. They're like, what are we supposed to do with this? So you're talking all this about Jesus. Um, what, what, what's my step? Like, what, is there an action? Do I need to go do, I need to go do something really dramatic? And uh, he tells them exactly what to do in verse 38. 
He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let me walk through those two steps with you for a minute because these are gonna be really clear, actionable steps that you take. If you've been cut to the heart, the first thing you do is you repent. Now, he could have just as easily easily have said believe and these words are really interchangeable when it comes down to it, that there are two sides of the same coin. So repent is talking about what you're moving away from. So when you repent, you had a direction that you were living your own life. You may have even, like Hunter talked about last week, if you were here, that, um, you know, especially in the Bible Belt, uh, socialized religion is kind of the name of the game here. And you may have been raised with it. It's kind of like a program running in the background. You kind of believe some elements of it. It doesn't really change your life. Um, There's not an element of submission and obedience, but it's kind of there in the background. And sure, something about Jesus, but you're living your life, right? Doing your things. And um, and then what, what would happen is your cut to the heart is you would repent. You would say, okay, now what I'm going to love first and deepest is not going to be myself and my own direction, but I'm turning. And um, the most important thing to me now, the deepest love, the highest point of obedience and submission is now Jesus. All right. So repentance is this change in direction. He could have just as easily have said, hey, believe in Jesus. And many times in the New Testament, it does. Hey, believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus. It could have, he could have just as easily have said that because that's really talking about the, the positive direction of having faith in Christ. But repentance would talk about the move away from what you, you previously were doing and then towards Christ. And so that's the first thing is to repent and believe. And the second part is going to be baptism. Now, very important uh, to distinguish these things that we don't at Redeemer believe that baptism in and of itself saves you. There's a bunch of different reasons why, but I don't have time to develop that right now. Uh, But we do think it's really significant. And uh, because really, if you want to think about what's happening here, before we get into his Instagram feed of like getting into the house and seeing how this new family of God operates, you got to figure out how to get in the house. And it'd be like, imagine like this really beautiful place like Versailles or something like that. And you've been, it's been hyped up your whole life. Get inside and come see it. It's beautiful. You're not going to believe how they had uh, all the furniture they had in it. It's just incredible. And you're like, okay, well, I'd love to go. Except you just look at it from a distance and there's no doors. And how do you even get in? Well, uh, Peter is saying, well, here's the door. Here's what you do is you repent and believe. And then the second part is you're baptized. And so what baptism is, is baptism is a symbol of what God has done in your heart that would represent not only your being in, in a covenant relationship, with God through Jesus' death and resurrection, but entrance into God's covenant community uh, of the church. It's an entrance into both, right? Um, So you think about what it symbolizes, and we're going to have two of these. You'll see one of the videos at the end of the service today, two baptisms at the next service. And what they're saying is, is that sometime previously, I became a Christian and I I died with Jesus on a spiritual level. I died with Jesus. It was like I was with him on the cross. When I came out of the water, I was was like I was resurrected with Jesus. That's what it represented. Um, Really significantly that he made me alive and he made me new. And I'm declaring this in this baptism. And it's an entrance into not only saying um, that my, my commitment is to Christ, but hey, I'm also with some of you. And so it doesn't really matter if you're like, well, I didn't know that. I, I, thought, I thought it was just me and Jesus and all this. But the reality is, is even baptism is an entrance into community. Uh, it's an entrance into this covenant relationship with Jesus, but it's also an entrance into um, community. Now, I do want to say this. While I don't believe that baptism is necessary for salvation, I think a lot of us really do underestimate it, right? Um, and think, well, yeah, it's something I'll do later, it would be a real joy to me if there'd be many of you who know that you've trusted Christ, but for whatever reason have not followed through on baptism, that you could just make a legitimately several steps and walk out to the next step table and say, all right, 
I, I need to, like, I need to do that. Like, I'm, I, I want to own this enough that I'm going to walk right back there and I'm going to say, this is something that is significant, that I have been made new, or maybe even today, you're going to be made new, cut to the heart, on the spot, in the middle of the service, and you're going to get done with this and say, I want to be baptized. Um, I would add one more thing. This might be um, especially to parents, but also it could be to anybody in this room that I'll bump into this sometime. We're like, yeah, I don't think we're quite ready for baptism, which of course we would respect and honor that. No one would ever be rushed. But then we're uh, popping communion elements like a Pez dispenser up front. And I would just say that if you're not ready for baptism, you're also not ready for communion because you think about it, that baptism is the sign of entry into a covenant relationship with God and an entry into um, God's people. That's what that symbol represents is like the initiation in. And then uh, communion is the ongoing reality. Of both are statements of the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection, and just in different ways. In communion, every week, a Christian is saying, Hey, here's the Jesus' body, it represents that. Here's Jesus' blood. And it's the ongoing statement of Jesus is still keeping me, He's still holding me. I still believe in Him, and these promises are mine, and He is with me, and I'm with you. Uh, So I was initiated into you when I was baptized, but then I'm with you now as you take. It's also a reminder that you're not alone in this. Even as you see other people take it and you hear the little awkward sounds on the packets kind of being pulled off here, it is going to remind you that you've got a family and you're not alone. So um, I just want to encourage you with that. Repent and believe. And um, just some beautiful statements of of the gospel message there in those passages as well. Um, You know, that Jesus' forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Spirit. The Spirit is given um, when you believe. And several thousand were added to their number. All right, time for the feed now. And uh, I'm going to read verses 42 through 47, and you're going to see um, exactly what was happening in the early church. And uh, hopefully, this will be um, an encouragement for us. And we'll look at three snapshots. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they're in now, right? They believe, they've repented, they've been baptized, and um, like the ink is still wet on their baptism certificate. They're like drying those things out. And they've, uh, and here's what they did they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and felt fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received the food with glad and generous hearts Praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to their number day by day uh, those who are being saved. All right, so what I want to do is I want to look at three in Peter's Instagram feed, which is, I think, the best way. It doesn't say everything about the church, but to kind of go back and address our confusion and even our hurt with the design for what God's trying to do here as we see what was actually happening in the early church. So uh, here's three, three little Instagram snapshots of, um, of life as the church. Here's the first one is that they were worshiping people. They were worshiping in verses 42 and 43. Look at the components. Um, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So I don't think we have those uh, nowadays, at least in the sense um, that Peter was. So now we actually have the apostles' teaching recorded, which is beautiful right here in the Bible. And so they devoted themselves to essentially the teaching of the Bible first. Um, and then it said into fellowship. So there were relationships, which we'll see that theme in a moment, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now there's some debate on what the breaking of bread means, but it probably means communion. So they were taking communion and they prayed. So here's what's crazy. Now this isn't everything the church does when you gather, because you can look elsewhere in the New Testament and you sing together. Um, elsewhere it says to be devoted to the public reading of scripture. There's other things you do when you're gathered, but this is just give, this is an Instagram feed. It's not going through everything that happens, but here's what's crazy. 
we right now are doing like pretty much the same things that they were doing 2,000 years ago. Like on this day, whenever a lot of people were cut to the heart, they're brand new Christians, and he's saying repent and believe, and they're baptized, and now they're gathering. And later in this passage, it'll talk about being at the temple, like probably the temple courts, that they were meeting there, and it might have been a big group. It might have been like this. We don't really know. But they were gathered together doing exactly what you're doing right now. Maybe not with a you know, guitar amp or something like that, but, uh, but it was like the basic, the basic stuff. And in fact, I think you should probably be worried if there's some things in your Christian life that are like super novel, uh, that really we're on a super ancient path here of like real basic stuff. Like we gather with the church and we read the Bible, it's, it's read, we pray, we take communion, uh, we preach, uh, we sing, and uh, that, that's, that's what we, we, Christians have been doing for a couple of thousand years, and that's what they were committed to. And I, I love too that it said that as they were doing those things, like a sense of awe gripped them that um, there's something so beautiful about Jesus and what he had done in them and the, the Spirit's ministry to them, that there's something so impactful that there was a sense of awe that gripped them. Like, they weren't just kind of singing the songs with their mouths moving and kind of on autopilot thinking about, um, you know, the food that's in the oven or whatever, you know, uh, that's so tempting and, um, and trying to go figure out what you're going to do with your kids afterwards and on and on. Like, there, there was like this sense of uh, something of the beauty of Christ that had rested on them in a very deep way um, that I think is really beautiful. And... Um, Uh, Just as a quick word about this too, that here's my experience, because here's how I think a lot of us in our confusion, how we interact even with what we're doing right now. I don't think this is all that we're intended to be as the church, which we'll talk about, but I think how a lot of us experience even Sunday gatherings is that um, for a lot of us, I think we look at it and say, you know, when I feel like I need that, I'm going to come, you know? So you may wake up on a Sunday morning and be like, you know what, man, I think I... I think I need a little pick-me-up today. Or you maybe go to sleep, and I'm kind of down. I think I could use some encouragement. And, um, and however often that is, that that's uh, when I feel a need for that, that's when I'm going to come. But I think we really misunderstand how this thing works that we're doing here. When I look back, I mean, I've been a Christian since I was 12. I'm not going to tell you how old that is, but it's, I am, but I'm pretty old. And, um, and so this is, I've got some, some mileage on these tires with church on Sunday, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, and very few of those Sundays have been Sundays that I'm like, that changed everything right there. That's it. And very few. And there've been a few of those where like I was at a really low point or something that I had never thought of that way before that were uniquely, that I'll I'll remember those sermons. I'll remember some of those songs, those moments um, where I really felt like God met me in a point that I really needed him to. Um, There've been a few of those, but bluntly, very few and far between. I think the best way to think about uh, what's happening here would be the cumulative effect of gathering with the church. Uh, that um, it's not one sermon, one worship set, anything like that. It's going to be like lots of sermons, lots of songs, lots of taking communion, lots of hallway conversations with people as you bump into each other. Um, just lots of scripture reading, lots of communion taken, that there's a cumulative effect to that. Of just constant, Think about this. Week after week, hearing gospel truths from the Bible, uh, read and preached, reminding you of what's true, of Jesus' love for you, and your identity is primarily in him, and you've been made clean. Um, you are free from shame. He gives you life. He is with you through all of your ups and your downs. Um, even whenever you die, it's not the end. And on and on and on. You know, that there's so many great gospel promises 
promises and you're rehearsing every one of these through preaching, through singing, through communion, through all of it. All of it is just a gospel reminder. Even people, um, I'll even have people that I'll see that I'm, I'm seeing like hold on to Jesus in the middle of very, very tough circumstances. I saw a woman right before the first service today and you know, one of those, hey, how are y'all doing? And you see, whoa, you know, that kind of deal. And you kind of come back and I'm like, what's going on? And she says that she had a couple of, uh, of friends die this week and another one that's about to. And we just stopped. But I could see her in her tears and in her grief holding on to Jesus. And we just stopped and prayed right there. And like, I walked away helped and encouraged in that. Like that, that's what was going on in verses 42 and 43. Um, and so I, I, I just want you to personalize this for a minute. I mean, has, has this kind of a prioritization of gathering together, has that been part of your life? And even today, like even to get more specific about today, has there been even a sense of awe um, on into the incredible wonder of, of this gospel of grace, of Jesus crucified and resurrected, the spirits um, alive and his ministry with you? Everything, has, that, has that gripped you today? Is there a sense of awe. And I'm not talking about um, a forever changer kind of a deal, maybe, uh, but have you just been helped and encouraged and reminded of his kindness and nearness today? I want that for you. And I also want you to hear even, I think the point of this little Instagram feed that we're looking at is not something beating you over the head. And I think pastors, and maybe me too, have done a bad job of this, where it can kind of sound like, you know, a cranky coach saying, you need to be at church on Sunday, you know, that kind of deal. And maybe with a snarl and pick it up be there more. And, um, and here's the thing is that I've already told you that it will really benefit you spiritually to just, because there's very few walk-off home runs. There's lots of opposite field flared singles and sacrifice bunts. If you want to carry that analogy out, um, there's a lot of, there, there's, there, there's a cumulative effect of all this. Uh, but here's what I want you to hear is that like all these things are actually for your benefit and for your encouragement and reminders of what's true and of the beauty of Jesus just drawing near to you. Like these are, these are gifts that have been given to you uh, more so than somebody screaming at you about be at church more you know, um, that God's so kind. He says, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build something into your weekly rhythms that's going to be a reminder of my nearness and kindness and love for you and what's true about you um, because of what Christ has done, which I think is really neat. All right, second, second snapshot on uh, his Instagram feed is um, together, being together. Okay, so um, this one's great. Um, I love these verses here. It says, um, and they all who believed were together and had all things in common. So there it is. Uh, They're even selling their possessions, belongings, distributing them to anybody that had need. And then look at this, verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So there's this relational component. And you know, even the, the financial component reminds me of what we've been doing in our Worth It journey over the last two years. I realize a lot of you are newer, but effectively what we try to do is even disciple this point of verse 45 of learning to say, okay, even our resources can be used to meet needs, to serve one another, and even expand the mission all the way to the ends of the earth so that Jesus would be known, and to even learn the joy of releasing these resources and having these things in common. I love this. All this even reminds me of seeing how they were together, of John 17, when Jesus was praying. We talked about this last, uh, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, Jesus is praying right before he died. He says, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So there's a lot there. That was another sermon. Don't have time to get into it. But he's saying, like, we have this unity, Father, Jesus is saying, and now they are in us. So his prayer was there would be a unity and a love among, among Christians because they're now, we are now included into Christ and into the Father and, in, and really with the Son and the Spirit as well. Uh, so it's a beautiful thing, this picture of what we're included. There was 
a family. Um, and I think this is maybe one of the hardest things to overcome on our confusion about the church is how I think most of you probably think about it is that we're doing church right now. Like even if you value it, that this is, this is it. And, um, and I'm saying this is part of it. That was point number one. But the not appreciating the family component and the connection component, the together component of the day by day. A couple of things on this. One is just an observation um, over the past, just observation over the, the really my whole pastoral career. The people that are the, um, the least likely to stick with the church are the ones that are not relationally engaged. So if you're attending a service, but like you maybe come with a friend, but like you don't know anybody else, I would say even over the last two years of COVID, that, that we're probably about 20% down roughly uh, numerically of where we were before all that happened, which I think we're about most churches are. And easily the group of people we've lost the most or the kind of disconnected attender that comes some on Sundays, but maybe not engaged with a gospel community, not engaged relationally. Um, now we've lost a handful of members to various reasons, but easily the top group would be that group. And like, I think that in a lot of ways, the clock is ticking, no matter what church you're involved in, if you're just attending it and you're, there's not a relational engagement with it. Let me say it more personally. So um, this may disappoint you as a pastor guy, but I, I was a Christian at least by the time I was 12. I was baptized then, very confident. I was a follower of Jesus. I actually walked with Jesus individually during that time. Um, and I would say my spiritual life kind of looked like this. Like it was uh, in its infancy, very slow growing with some dips. I, I actually hated church and it may disappoint you, but I really did. Like I, um, I hated going, I would, wasn't a late sleeping guy, but if my mom didn't come get me out of bed, um, she didn't come all the time either. But I, I was very happy to watch NFL pregame on Sunday morning and thought the sermons were pointless, didn't really like it. And honestly, didn't like the people very much. Um, I thought they were dorky. Um, and you're like, well, you're dorky. Okay, fine. But I'm just saying, um, kind of the youth group kid kind of rubbed me the wrong way, all of it. All right, so that says as much about me as it says about any of them. No blame. I'm just saying I didn't like it, all right? And so my spiritual life was pretty much me sometimes talking to my mom about my spiritual life. That was it. Now, I was slowly, barely kind of growing, all right? And then I had one Christian friend uh, named Shane. Um, that I have a common friend in here with. And he was the, there was one other Christian guy on my whole football team. And we started talking about our souls together. I mean, we'd talk about our spiritual life. And that was like a big bump up for me on my spiritual life. And I come out here to tech and I go to, um, as a college student, I ended up getting involved with uh, a church here in town, Indiana Avenue. And um, there's a guy named John Randalls that was the pastor, college minister named Russ Murphy. Some of you old heads in here would know who those guys are. And, um, and I would attend, and honestly, like I was, I would go there and like, I, I was just, I was learning stuff in the Bible and I, like every week coming on Sundays and like I was learning and I was growing. And then even more than that, I had this group of friends that were believers and we were hanging out like day by day. And I just can't explain like what my spiritual life did of not only um, having my own individual Bible time, but, but gathering with the church and um, having people in my life, you're coming home and you're talking and there's just a matter of like showing up and being there in person. And in fact, I would even and say, um, if so much of this is just really showing up and, and having things together, I've had people do this for me this week. I mean, I had people quite physically 
show up for me when I needed them in the last few weeks. Um, it's, it's really incredible what it means to have people walking with you in all of life's ups and all of life's downs. So again, this isn't me or Jesus or Peter screaming at you saying, you know, have some of these spiritual friendships. But I do want to encourage you that, um, you know, we've organized gospel communities. And if you have some kind of spiritual community that, you, yeah, I'm not saying you have to be in a gospel community to have this, but here's what I'd say. Here's your question as we personalize this one is do you have a group of people that you belong to for your spiritual growth and encouragement? Do you have a group of people you belong to? You're like, these are my people, and they are committed to me. Not just human beings in the world would love Jesus, but like they are, they are helping me love Jesus. They're, there are people that are, and I'm helping them love Jesus. And that's really what this call is. We're worshiping together, but there's also a togetherness. Third component, and we'll do this one uh, more quickly, is I'm just going to call it as offense. I don't know how else to say it. Is um, these were people that um, were were making Jesus known, and um, it says that they were uh, in this in this community. Um, it says that day by day they were you know gathering together, breaking bread in their homes, and they're receiving food with glad, generous hearts. But then um, they're having favor with people, and Lord was adding to their number day by day. And I think this is really cool because uh, one of the interesting side results of this really interesting new family that they had together was that it was super compelling to their friends. And a lot of you might say, well, I don't know that I can really go share my faith. I need to learn more. My experience has been the exact opposite of that most of the time is that um, the people that barely have their baptism certificate dry, that are really fanning it out, right? Um, that, that I don't even know what they were saying to their friends, because think about it. Like, these were people that had been converted, like, in the previous few verses, as they're like, what do we do? Or, or cut to the heart, like, what do we do? And he's like, all right, let's get you in the water after you, do you believe in Jesus? Okay, good, let's baptize you. Like, it's those people, they're dripping wet, and they're walking out going, hey, man, can I just tell you about something that's changing my life? What? Well, there's this Messiah, Jesus. I heard about him teaching. Well, here's the thing. He came back from the dead and he's changing me. Like my life is different because of him. And hey, you ought to come, you ought to come here. These apostles are teaching tomorrow morning. Do you want to come hang? Yeah, I'll come. And it's like, that, that's what was going on. Like they're sharing their faith and including people into what had changed them. And who knows even the train wreck that they're saying sometimes. They, they certainly wouldn't have had it all down. But they're like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Why don't you come learn with me tomorrow? And we'll, we'll see, see what the story is. And um, I love this. And it even reminds me of that same passage. I'm going to read one more section of it in John 17. It says that they may be one. This is Jesus's prayer. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they are, may be in us. All right, so this picture of our unity and love towards one another that's grounded in being included in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. I'm not saying that's an easy idea, but it's incredible. But here's the result of all that, of us loving one another and being together and worshiping together. At the end of that verse, it says, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. You know, And so there's a so that with all of this. Uh, the world around us is going to believe in Jesus when they see a church that loves one another and that kind of unity that's grounded into us by the grace of God. So I love this. I mean, I know that we're confused and I know, I know that we can miss it. And even as we personalize it and we evaluate, like, do we care to share our faith with our friends? And, and do we care about God's heart for all peoples at the other end of the earth? Um, I think that we need to take stock of that. But look, as a bunch of confused and hurt people, um, whether you're here in person or, or watching this online, like the thing that I think that God is calling us into today 
is to even enjoy his beauty and worth together. Some of you have an individual component and there's a whole other world for you. It can almost feel like another conversion in a way to see the value and beauty of other Christians that can help you grow. And even some of us that have been hurt, that have kind of pulled back, that God's saying, look, I, I know, I know I see you, but it still doesn't change the fact that this is so good for you and you have so much to offer, um, even on mission, even with people, even for your own encouragement uh, by God's design. So I'm gonna pray for us that God would help us to see him in this way and experience him in this way. Uh, Lord, would you, would you move in this way that there'd be some that are here that have never put their hope in you, that right now a cut to the heart, um, that your grace would be so beautiful to them, moved by you. And um, then there'd be a lot of Christians in this room that um, if their connection with your, your people um, is, is really non-existent or um, weak or distant, any of that, that, um, that you would help, um, you'd help just remind them and show your care for them right now. And uh, that there'd be a, just a deepening of those kind of ties and connections. And um, Lord, I'm so grateful. Lord, thank you for the people over the years that have shown up for me. Thank you for the countless thousands of times you've reminded me and many others that are here today of truth and songs and in preaching and in scripture and in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gift. And even just watching this play out at the very, very beginning of, um, of your church, um, that this would mark us too. And that's our hope. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.